This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Biden fires back. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The President of the United States angrily defended his mental state in a primetime address to the nation last night. I've been well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what I'm doing. I've been President, and I put this country back on its feet. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. Those comments come after the President's cognitive condition was called into question by the special counsel investigating Biden's handling of classified documents. Correspondent Haley Jackson says the optics during last night's press conference did not look good for the White House. Three quarters of voters, based on our most recent poll, they do have concerns about President Biden, his age, his mental fitness for the job, essentially. That is part of why you are seeing, I think, a level of concern among those in the Democratic Party about how this plays out, what the fallout could potentially be. Special Prosecutor Robert Hur referred to the president in his report as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Jonathan Turley is a law professor at George Washington University. The report itself is baffling because what he says about the president's diminished mental state is alarming. There's no escaping it. This press conference obviously didn't help. The miscues again only raised additional questions. The special counsel claims that during a five-hour interview last fall, Mr. Biden could not remember when he was vice president or when his son, Beau, died. Correspondent Ed O'Keefe gets White House reaction. What the Biden campaign more broadly will say about this is two things. One, we cooperated while our likely opponent continues to cause conflict with federal prosecutors across the country. The other is, you want to hit us again on age and whether we're able to do the job? Well, they've been doing that since 2019, and you may remember back in 2020, Biden won. But while defending his memory last night, Mr. Biden confused the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico. Former White House physician and current Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He calls a press conference, he gets on TV, he addresses the nation, and he just validates and reiterates, reinforces what was said in the report and what we've all known for so long now. This is becoming every day more and more of a serious national security issue. Twice during the past week, the president recalled conversations he had with world leaders who are no longer alive. Dr. Marty McCary is a medical commentator at Johns Hopkins University. Everybody mixes words up and makes mistakes, but what we've noticed is a significant progression in slowed speech and the memory lapses are increasing in frequency, so it's not subtle. You've got cognitive decline right in front of our eyes. President Biden is hosting the Chancellor of Germany at the White House this afternoon before heading home to Delaware for Super Bowl weekend. Donald Trump notched another win in Nevada last night in the Republican race for president. His victory in the Nevada caucuses came on the same
same day, the Supreme Court took up a case out of Colorado to try and kick him off the ballot in 2024. Legal analyst Laura Jarrett predicts the high court will rule in favor of Trump and probably sooner rather than later. Voters in Colorado have actually asked for them to rule this weekend. I think that's probably a stretch, but I do think we will see it well before Super Tuesday because the justices know the political calendar just as we all do. March 5th, voters in Colorado and more than a dozen states are set to go to the polls. So I think they want to make sure this issue is cleared up before those primary ballots are done. And because of all the other primaries that are coming right behind it, they want to get this done fast. I'll think we'll see it in the next couple weeks. Jarrett says the only real drama in the decision before the high court is whether their decision is unanimous in favor of Trump. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson did a two-hour interview last night with the ruler of Russia, Vladimir Putin. More from reporter Brian Shug. It marked the first interview Putin has given to a Western journalist since the invasion of Ukraine almost two years ago. Carlson says he has a duty to tell the truth about what's happening in the war between Russia and Ukraine. He also claimed Western news outlets are pushing propaganda and Americans have the right to know what's actually going on. During the interview, Carlson asked Putin if he has any plans to expand his war to other Eastern Bloc countries. Speaking through an interpreter, here's what Putin said. We have no interest in Poland, Latvia, or anywhere else. Why would we do that? We simply don't have any interest. During the interview, Putin defended the invasion of Ukraine and even said he welcomes efforts from Washington to try and reach a peace deal. White House spokesman John Kirby says Americans should not put much stock in anything, Putin says. I don't think the American people are going to be swayed by one single interview. And I think anybody that watches that interview, whatever whatever's said, remember, you're listening to Vladimir Putin. February 22nd, by the way, marks the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Congress accuses America's major pharmaceutical companies of ripping off Americans with high drug prices. Three giants of American medicine took a heavy dose of criticism. Americans are forced to pay higher and higher prices for the drugs they need to survive. From a Senate committee investigating prices of some of the most popular medicines, the CEOs of Johnson & Johnson, Merck, and Bristol-Myers Squibb. Will you commit that Bristol-Myers Squibb will reduce the list price of Eliquis? We can't make that commitment answered for why their drugs cost three times more in the U.S. than in 33 other wealthy countries. Correspondent Scott McFarland, the candidates in the race to replace George Santos in Congress, met for a contentious hour-long debate last night on Long Island. Andrew Whitman has highlights. Former Congressman Democrat Tom Swasey and Republican Nassau legislator Maisie Pillip argued about immigration, abortion, their records, and more at the forum hosted by News 12. Pillip tried to tie Swasey to the far left and blamed him specifically for the migrant mess in New York City. That special election is set for next Tuesday. Super Bowl 58 is just two days away. The defending champion Kansas City Chiefs take on the San Francisco 49ers in Las Vegas. It's a rematch of the Super Bowl from just four years ago. Last night in Vegas, the NFL honored its top players from this year. Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens quarterback won his second AP NFL MVP award. The 49 Niners Christian McCaffrey won Offensive Player of the Year, and the Browns Miles Garrett Defensive Player. The Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year is the Steelers' Cam Hayward, announced by Prince Harry. Good evening, NFL. Wendy Gillette, Las Vegas. Sixty years ago tonight, television history was made. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Beatlemania hit the big time on the Ed Sullivan Show on CBS. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. 
The Beatles did four songs that night. It drew what was then a record 73 million viewers. The Beatles went on to appear on The Sullivan Show live three additional times and another time on tape over the next year and a half. Steve Cathan reporting still to come on the Noon Report, invoking the 25th Amendment. Trump rally in Harrisburg and water woes in western New York. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. We're going to be talking about spring-like weather heading into the start of the weekend, but by early next week, Winter shall return. We'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. News across New York and Pennsylvania next. Former President Donald Trump headlines a gun rights rally at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg today. Tens of thousands expected to attend the Great American Outdoor Show. That's from 5 to 7 tonight. Trump will speak around 6. Doors open at 3. This is the former president's first campaign appearance in Pennsylvania this year. You will need a ticket to get into the Trump rally. Central New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney is hinting that the 25th Amendment might need to be invoked due to lingering questions about the mental decline of President Biden. President Biden needs to be charged or he needs to be removed from office under the 25th Amendment. There isn't a middle ground here. It's one or the other. You either have to prosecute him or he has to be removed under the under the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment can be invoked if the president becomes disabled to such a degree that he cannot fulfill his responsibilities. Yesterday, special counsel Robert Herr announced he was not charging the president in a classified documents case, but also noted his cognitive decline. New York Senate Minority Leader Rob Wart says the southern border isn't the only border that needs attention from our government. He says the northern border is also seeing a noticeable uptick in illegal crossings. A lot of the same policy failures that are driving those illegal entries are also now we're seeing uh, impacts here on the northern border uh, with illegal crossings. Orts District covers the northern border along the shores of Lake Ontario that separates New York from Canada. New York Assemblyman Angelo Morinello says there's a sharp rise in suspicious crossings along that border. I have friends who have said their ring doorbells have seen in the last two weeks groups of eight and nine coming across their backyards running to the road. Both Ort and Morinello oppose a law in New York that allows illegal immigrants to get driver's licenses. They argue that is the driving force for unlawful entries into New York from Canada. With the big game coming up Sunday, state police are cracking down on drunk drivers. Extra patrols are being set up as part of the latest Stop DWI campaign. Sean Brown is a spokesperson for PennDOT. There's so many options out there anymore to make sure you're not getting on the roadway when you're impaired. You really want to stop this behavior. The least of your worries is getting pulled over and maybe getting arrested. You know, you could hurt yourself or someone else. You might kill someone. Next to New Year's Eve, the Super Bowl is the worst time of year for drunk driving. A woman is dead after being ejected from a vehicle on Route 33 in Cheektowaga, New York. It happened last night around 6.30 between Cayuga Road and Union Road. That's where a 21-year-old woman was found on the highway. She was pronounced at the scene. The Syracuse, New York School District is trying to fill hundreds of teaching jobs that are currently vacant. Superintendent Anthony Davis. We're actually doing um, progressive recruitment where we're actually going out to colleges and universities trying to find uh, people who are in uh, education fields. Nicole Capsello is president of the Syracuse Teachers Association. We knew the shortage was coming prior to the pandemic. 
of course the pandemic exasperated that with people just choosing to leave the profession or retire. Anyone who wants to apply for a vacant position in the Syracuse School District can do so by checking out SyracuseCitySchools.com slash jobs. That's SyracuseCitySchools.com slash jobs. Water woes to report in western New York. Here's Family Life's Dee Haley. All Fredonia water customers must boil water used for cooking and drinking. There has been a reported disruption in the water disinfection treatment, making it not safe to drink. Health officials say bring all water to a boil for drinking or cooking, then cool before using. You will be notified when it is no longer necessary to boil water. For more information, you may contact the Village of Fredonia or the Chautauqua County Health Department. Dee Haley, Family Life News. All right, Dee, thank you for that. One of central Pennsylvania's largest employers is eyeing big changes in the coming year. Family Life's Brian Crary explains. In its 2023-24 financial results report, the Hershey Company has indicated plans to enhance its automation capabilities with an acknowledgement it could cause some job losses. The report said these initiatives will help the company support a more efficient operating model to deliver its long-term business and financial goals. While enhanced automation plans are not expected to cause a significant impact on employment, it could impact up to 5% of their global workforce or up to 1,000 employees. Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you. Brian, let's switch gears. Talk sports next. It's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the NFL named Lamar Jackson as their MVP of the season. Jackson won by a landslide, getting 49 of the 50 first-place votes. At 27 years of age, Jackson becomes the youngest two-time NFL MVP ever. He was a unanimous winner back in 2019. Buffalo's Josh Allen picked up the other first-place vote. He came in fifth in the voting. To action on the court, the Dallas Mavericks finished up their road trip a perfect 3-0 after taking down the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, 122-108. Lucas Doncic had 39 points and 11 assists to lead the Mavs. Dante DiVincenzo scored 36 to pace the Knicks. In Brooklyn, the hottest team in the league remained hot as Cleveland easily beat the Nets 118-95. Cavs have now won eight straight. Other winners in the NBA, Golden State, Orlando, the Bulls, T-Wolves, Suns, Nuggets, and Pistons. One other basketball note, the 76ers have acquired Buddy Heald from the Pacers in exchange for Marcus Morris. Moving to action on the ice, the Flyers won their second straight game, 4-1 over the Jets. Tyson Forster, Travis Konechny, and Morgan Frost all scored in the first. Ryan Pooling found the back of the net in the second. The Islanders cruised to a 6-2 win over Tampa Bay. Noah Dobson, Matthew Barzal, and Kyle Palmieri all lit the lamp in the first. Then Ryan Pulak, Bo Harvak, and Casey Zizekas scored in the second. The Bruins, Panthers, Flames, Canes, and Golden Knights also skated a victory. Super Bowl 58 happens on Sunday. Odds makers favor the Niners to win it, but I am not in agreement with that. 
Patrick Holmes, in my mind, is going to lead the Chiefs to another Super Bowl title. That is a look at sports. All right, we'll hold you to it. Randy, thank you very much. I'm just rooting for good commercials this year. Still to come on the Noon Report, how Christians can capitalize on the Super Bowl. The Capital Connection crew sounds off on all that's going on in Albany and Harrisburg. And Kev says, enjoy it while it lasts, folks, because it won't last much longer. Talking about that nice weather. His forecast is yours right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Montana Child and Family Services has removed a 14-year-old daughter, goes by the name Jennifer, from the custody of her father and stepmother. Todd and Krista Kolstad refused to affirm Jennifer's self-professed transgender identity. Like many adolescents, Jennifer had struggled, but there were no indications of suicidality or distress over her gender. For example, she had experienced some bullying in school, but her parents transferred her to another district. Well, the trouble with CFS began when the school notified Krista and Todd that Jennifer had expressed suicidal thoughts at school. That very same day, CFS showed up at the family's house and asked to do an inspection. Krista and Todd agreed to the inspection. When the family sat down with the caseworker afterwards, Jennifer claimed to have attempted suicide earlier that day by ingesting toilet bowl cleaner and painkillers. They rushed Jennifer to the emergency room, but thankfully, all tests indicated she had in fact not ingested any toxic substances. However, things just got worse from there. While she was admitted at the hospital, Jennifer told nurses that she identified as male and preferred to go by the name Leo, and hospital staff called her by this new name despite the protest of her parents. After two days at the hospital, the Colstads agreed to have Jennifer spend time at an in-state residential treatment facility. However, when the Colstads learned that Jennifer would instead be sent to an out-of-state facility, they refused to sign the paperwork to release her. Within minutes, CFS were at the Colstads' home with papers that notified them their daughter was being temporarily removed from their custody. Well, Fast forward six months later, Jennifer is now being placed into the custody of her birth mother in Canada, with whom she's never had a relationship. When Todd and Krista publicly protested the whole series of events, they were placed under a gag order, which they ignored. They appealed to the Montana Supreme Court for the gag order to be released and to be given supervisory control of Jennifer's case. Earlier this week, the court rejected their appeal. Though the Colsteads had demonstrated commitment to Jennifer's health and well-being, the CFS affidavit cited that the reason for her removal from their home was, and I quote, physical neglect. The youth was suicidal and needed acute psychiatric care. Her parents refused to sign paperwork for the youth to receive the care that was recommended by the medical professionals. Predicting suicide if a child is not allowed to transition and citing their own expertise, these are common strategies by gender-affirming doctors, therapists, and state workers. And often this power play is accompanied by the coercive saying, you can either have a living son or a dead daughter. In fact, however, the opposite is true. Transitioning does not lead to less suicide. Rather, it leads to more. The very best research we have shows that those who undergo chemical and surgical transition are over 19 times more likely to commit suicide than the average person. And when it comes to youth, the vast majority, 88 to 98 percent of adolescents allowed to go through puberty, will reconcile with their God-given sex. 
to learn more about how we can help children develop a secure identity as male and female, and to learn about all the wrong ideas that are victimizing so many young people, go to identityproject.tv. The Identity Project is the most comprehensive library of on-demand videos and resources that address the issues of identity, humanness, and sexuality, all from a Judeo-Christian worldview. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Outside we go next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Very mild, clouds, a bit of sun, a brief shower in spots, and high temperatures well into the 50s. A few spots will tickle 60. Mainly cloudy, mild tonight, the low in the 40s, and then there'll be some showers around tomorrow. It's still mild, cloudy, high in the 50s. Chillier Sunday, mainly cloudy, maybe a flurry, and high temperatures in the 30s and lower 40s. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. It is Friday, folks, the 9th of February, and you're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Gentlemen, much to discuss this week. As always, Jason, I want to start with you. New York has until February 28th to adopt new congressional maps for this year's election. What kind of map uh, do you think uh, the independent redistricting commission is going to come up with, Jason? And and how is that going to upset the proverbial apple card in this all-important presidential election? Yeah, that's really the conversation in Albany these days. Redistricting is supposed to occur every 10 years. Now it looks like it's going to happen about every year until we get this thing uh, figured out. Multiple primaries are likely heading our way because of the uh, tardiness of getting these maps to the legislature. But I don't expect there will be a lot of major changes. Uh, Too many major changes are made. I think we'll be right back in court, and I don't think that the Democrats would like to see another court-ordered map that could hurt them even deeper in the election year. Michael, Governor Shapiro took the wraps off a more than $48 billion state budget proposal on Tuesday. Big headline, of course, recreational adult use marijuana. He is all in on this one. Marijuana is a money maker, says Governor Shapiro. Why is he wrong, in your opinion, when it comes to this issue? You know, uh, he spoke for over an hour and a half, 11,000 words, and marijuana was one of the key things that he talked about and the money that he thinks it will bring in. You know, a study was done in Colorado, which was one of the first states to legalize recreational marijuana, and they found for every dollar that is brought in in tax dollars, more than four and a half dollars are spent to deal with all of the social issues and crime and traffic issues and DUI and all of the things that come with it. People think about legalizing marijuana. They think, oh, oh, we'll stop arresting people for possession or for having a joint in their pocket or something. This is the commercial sale of marijuana, meaning that there'll be stores and the government profiting and pushing it and the products that will be sold are aimed at addicting children. Jason, thought it was interesting. There was a story this week out of Ulster County, a doctor from Arizona facing uh, charges for violating New York's ban 
ban on doctor-assisted suicide. The State Bar Association came out recently in support of doctor-assisted suicide. They're calling it medical aid in dying, but it's the same thing. How will that endorsement from the Bar Association influence the legislation? And more importantly, why do you think Christians need to oppose physician-assisted suicide? Yeah, I can't deny that the uh, State Bar Association is very influential in Albany. And many folks will look to that endorsement as permission to move forward on the issue of assisted suicide, but they shouldn't. I would say that why we should oppose assisted suicide is at its core, it denies the dignity, the intrinsic value of the individual who's created the image of God. There are also secular reasons to oppose it. 80% of the cost of a person's health care comes in the final six months of their life. It's not by accident that assisted suicide is allowed at that final six months. Hmm. Uh, what begins as a, an opportunity for someone who says they would like to have personal autonomy quickly becomes then a duty to die for many individuals. Michael, last year, Pennsylvania distributed some $7 million to over 70 crisis pregnancy centers that uh, make up what they call the Real Alternatives Network. That funding stream ended on December 31st when Governor Shapiro announced he was no longer subsidizing pro-life causes. This ends three decades of funding for these organizations. What is going to happen to these clinics in Pennsylvania? And in the budget speech, there's no inclusion of that funding going forward. Planned Parenthood's president was on social media yesterday celebrating the end of three decades of that alternatives to abortion funding. And those cuts will hurt those centers that have taken those funds in the past. But uh, in speaking with the leaders of pregnancy centers around the state, they see this as an opportunity for the pro-life community to step up with giving of their time, treasure, and talents to fill the gap and to show the great work these centers are doing for women, babies, dads, and their communities. Jason, there was a slew of transgender issues in the news this week. First one out of Buffalo, 32-year-old dad losing custody rights of his child because he questioned the gender reassignment of his own nine-year-old son. Then there was a mother in Skinny Atlas who's suing her local school after officials there treated her 12-year-old daughter like she was a boy behind her back. What recourse is there for parents to fight back against the growing influence of the transgender movement? Well, there are a number of things that parents can do. And first and foremost, I think we have to remind parents that they are the primary people responsible for the rearing of their children. So I applaud parents who are speaking out, uh, such as the dad in Buffalo and the mom in Skinny Atlas, who's actually going to court to defend that right. One of the things we have been missing in New York are parents willing to take legal action to protect their rights to defend their children. And I'm glad these folks are, are doing so. Gotcha. When we're talking about family matters, Michael, I want to play a soundbite from a recent interview that we did with Jack Brewer, former NFL player, uh, runs the Jack Brewer Foundation. He exists to discuss this one fundamental issue, and that is the fatherlessness epidemic in America. I want to play this soundbite from Jack and then get your reaction on the other side. When I grew up, the majority of us had dads in our homes. We had coaches and mentors and teachers that actually disciplined us and not just pacified us. And we're seeing a pacified generation. We are watching the results of a fatherless nation. We have 24.1 million fatherless kids across America. These kids that you see out there running in the streets, tearing up the streets, are fatherless kids. And this is not an issue that we're going to be able to just fix with a new policy or with a new initiative or any other woke agenda. We have a real systematic issue right now in our country, and the crisis is called fatherlessness. 
That is Jack Brewer with the Jack Brewer Foundation, Michael. My question to you, is there anything being done at the state or local level in Pennsylvania to encourage fatherhood again in the home? Well, you know, he is such a compelling speaker. I heard him speak two or three years ago at a conference that was held by our sister organization in Iowa. And he makes such great points, and that is uh, one of the key social concerns in our society today, the issue of fatherlessness. But the way to help the whole issue of parenting and fatherhood is marriage between a man and a woman, then to re-encourage the institution of marriage to make sure that there is a mother and a father raising the children. Mothers are important, so are fathers. Jason, winter is quickly giving way to spring, and that means legislative day. If folks don't know what that is, that's a once a year, New Yorkers gets together in Albany and they have what they call legislative day. Wonder what the plans are for legislative day 2024 in New York. Yeah, Bob, this year's event will be held on Tuesday, March 12th in our state capitol. And uh, the day known as Legislative Day is really a day of action. It's, a, it's an opportunity for Christian voters, uh, New Yorkers, to come on up to the capitol and to get involved in the issues we've talked about. We believe that two of the biggest issues are ones that we've already discussed in this program. First, the issue of assisted suicide is gaining steam in Albany. We need to work on that and uh, push back against that. And the other are parents' rights. And so those will be two of the major initiatives we have this year. And the plan this year is to eliminate the costs to attend the day. It will be a free day for people to attend, but we will be focused on uh, helping Christians to understand how to actively push back against these things that are happening here in New York in our March 12th, 2024 Day of Action. Gotcha. What does it mean to be a Christian activist in 2024? We'll talk more about that on this program in the weeks ahead, uh, Jason, and you'll have more information on your website, which we'll give in a minute. But first, Michael, uh, I want to talk politics with you. Donald Trump holding a massive rally in Harrisburg today. Tens of thousands are there, we're told, a gun rights rally. Uh, wondering, how is he polling in Pennsylvania this year compared to 2020 and 2016? Well, the latest polls here in Pennsylvania were conducted in mid-January, and one of them showed Biden with a slight lead, and the other had Trump up by a couple of points. The bottom line is it's neck and neck right now. But a big difference from 2016 to today in Pennsylvania is the early mail-in voting. Polls don't elect anyone. It's votes that do, and a lot of it's going to have to do with who is able to turn out the early votes here in Pennsylvania. All right, it's the way elections are done nowadays, early voting. Uh, that train has left the station, as they say. Hey, we've been a lot of places this week, guys. If you want more information about Legislative Day 2024, Jason, I know you're going to be talking about that soon on your website. Where can folks learn more? NewYorkFamilies.org And stay involved on all the issues in Pennsylvania. Why marijuana legalization is a bad move. Uh, Michael, you're writing about that as well. Where can folks find you? PAFamily.org gentlemen thank you very much the name of the program capital connection comes your way fridays during the noon report or online anytime at familylife.org good afternoon here is your family life regional weather forecast well we're on the mild side of a front keeping our temperatures well above average right into tomorrow. The front will deliver showers as it arrives tomorrow, then chillier air in its wake on Sunday, and tee up the chance for accumulating snow early next week, particularly on Tuesday in Pennsylvania. Something to watch. In the meantime, for this afternoon, very mild. Clouds, a bit of sun, a brief shower in spots, and high temperatures 
well into the 50s. A few spots will tickle 60. Mainly cloudy mild tonight, the low in the 40s. And then there'll be some showers around tomorrow. It's still mild, cloudy, high in the 50s. Chillier Sunday, mainly cloudy, maybe a, a flurry. And high temperatures in the 30s and lower 40s. All right, Kevin, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Find that noon making sense of the Super Bowl. The most watched TV event of the year is nearly here. And in a world when most people consume their entertainment on their own time, on their own devices, the Super Bowl is one of those rare times that a single program draws in a huge audience all at once once. Paul Acey is a TV reviewer for the Christian entertainment site Plugged In. And that upside that I see really, really clearly is the idea that we can be in community together over this one big cultural event. Acey remembers a time when there were only three TV networks, a time when Americans had shared experiences with such TV events as the cliffhanger on Dallas or the final episode of MASH. So you have these moments that just don't exist anymore. The Super Bowl is really one of the very, very last things that America all tunes in to see. He says Christians have discovered the benefits of buying ad time during the Super Bowl, if you can afford it. AC points out the he gets us spots, which seek to correct some stereotypes people have about Christians. Refocus people's attention and say, listen, we are broken. We are sinners, but we have a secret, and that is that we have been saved. We have been redeemed. Organizers of the he gets us ad campaign say their message is centered around rebranding Jesus for the contemporary world, and they're planning to air two commercials Sunday night. The He Gets Us ads, look for them during Super Bowl 58. And that's the world we live in Friday, February 9th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News Podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.